We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So this morning, in addition to being Shabbat Mishpatim, uh, is, is Shabbat Mevarchim for the month of Adar. Uh, it's the Shabbat on which we offer blessing for the month that ushers in Purim and uh, the Shabbat that ushers in joy, we're told in the Gemara in Tanit, from the moment Adar enters, we increase joy. Uh, so we just received a teaching that I've never seen before from one of our teachers, Rabbi Eben Leder, who's also been with us here before and is just starting a semester sabbatical in Yerushalayim. Uh, but he sent a teaching from the Yismach Yisrael, uh, who asks the following simple but profound question about that, that idea, um, and he says, how do we enter the gates of this joy? How do we do it? So listen to his answer. He says, we do this by loving our friends. That's where he starts. How do we enter the gates of joy? How do we enter this awareness of living in God's presence, of being part of a chalik of God? Um, this Hasidic master uh, <clears throat> from Alexander summons us to enter the gates of joy by loving our friends. And the proof text that he brings from Megillat Esther is remarkable. He turns first to the verse in the book of Esther in chapter 3 where Haman first makes his... Nobody's making any noise, I just said Haman. <laughs> um, anyway, where Haman first makes his claim against the Jews. And he says, Yeshno am echad mefuzad The straightforward meaning of the text is that this is referring to the external state of the Jewish people in that time, to the fact that they are mefuzao uh, mefurad, they're scattered and separated, scattered and dispersed among the nations, the fact that they're living in diaspora. But the Yismach Yisrael, in classical Hasidic fashion, uh, sees the verse also as gesturing to something more than that, to something about our inner state in that time. And he writes, quote, everything this people is, all of their good qualities, are only when they are together as amechad, as one people. When the Megillah says they are scattered and dispersed, it means that their hearts are alienated from each other. This, he says, is when they are truly vulnerable. So the Ismach Yisrael is giving us this teaching, reading Esther's response to Mordechai in light of this particular vulnerability, the vulnerability of alienated hearts. 
And he goes on to say, now this is referring to later, when, when Esther responds and tells Mordechai to gather all the Jews and have them pray on her behalf. So he reads that this way. She told him, go gather all the Jews, bring them together as a community, bring their hearts together as one. She says, fast for me. All their fasting and prayers should be for me, not for themselves. This is because our rabbis taught that one who has a need of her own, yet prays for a friend, one who has a need of her own, yet prays for a friend, her need will merit response. Such is the love of true friends. So I, I just want to take a moment to take that in and consider, um, consider that as a spiritual practice. Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, sometime when I'm feeling so consumed with my own need, um, what would it feel like in that moment to turn my attention elsewhere and to pray on behalf of another person, on behalf of a friend? Uh, the Ismach Israel says, it is when we have a need of our own, yet pray for a friend, that our prayers are answered. And finally, he connects all of this uh, to the fact that this Shabbat Mevarachim is also Shabbat Shkalim. It's also that parsha that we, one of the parshiot that we read in preparation for Purim, and it's the one where we read the obligation about each adult member of the community uh, to contribute a half a shekel, machatzita shekel, for the upkeep of the Ohel Moed, of the tent of meeting in the wilderness. So how does he understand this requirement to give a donation of half a shekel? It's related, he teaches, to this idea of friendship and unity among the people. To the idea, now I'm quoting him again, that a person is incomplete until he joins with others. The point of the half shekel is to make you consider this and to do everything you can to develop this quality to love your friends like yourself. So how do we enter the gates of joy this, this week, this month, by developing this quality, by loving our friends, by praying for our friends, by overcoming the vulnerability of alienated hearts, and by remembering that we don't build alone. We don't work alone. In the words of Robert Frost, which I just learned last week from Dan Judson, Men work together, he said, from the heart, whether they work together or apart. Pirkei Avot actually teaches that there are 48 midot, 48 qualities that are required to fully acquire, to fully receive Torah. And the Vilna Gaon points out that no single human being can possibly embody all 48 attributes. And then he makes an amazing move, and he says this is actually why we need to learn in Chavruta, why we need to learn with a friend, because we need each other to reveal Torah in all, in all its fullness. Um, <clears throat> So, right, we need our friend, we need our chavruta to reveal a piece of Torah that we can't access because we don't have the midah that they have that allows them to access that piece of Torah. And then the Chatam Sofer goes on to say that of that whole list, you know, we still have to get competitive, so 
Okay, that's true, but of that whole list of 48, which is the really the most important attribute, and he says it's ohev habriot, it's to love one's fellow creatures, um, to love other people, because that's the glue that holds this whole thing together. If you're not open-hearted enough to love the person who's sitting across from you and learn the Torah that they have to teach you, because of their different capacities, their different midot, their different sensibilities, um, then you're not going to be able to, to draw closer to the fullness of Torah. So, by the way, even before we stood at Sinai, Moshe himself had to be reminded of this by his father-in-law Yitro. And I just want to take us back for a second to last week's Parsha, to the beginning of last week's Parsha, where Yitro famously gives Moshe you know, that great leadership tip, right? He sees Moshe adjudicating cases um, for the people all day long, and Yitro says to him, what are you doing? And Moshe says, the people need me to do this. I have to hear all of these cases, you know, from morning to night. And uh, Yitro says, what you're doing is not right. You will wear yourself out, and it's not good for the people. And I've really come just recently to understand this as not just a very helpful practical leadership tip, although it is that, um, but as deep preparation for Sinai. Uh, because what Yitro, whose name, by the way, comes from the root Yeter or Yoter, his name means more than enough, more than enoughness. And so what Yitro, who embodies that sense of capaciousness, that sense of more than enoughness, is teaching Moshe and, and then helping Moshe learn to model for the people, is that sense of capaciousness and more than enoughness that allows us to stand together at Sinai, where we each uh, were told, we each person heard the revelation at Sinai, Lefikocho, according to his or her own capacity, his or her own sensibility. Um, and they had to have that sense of more than enoughness uh, in order to make room for all of the different ways in which the people were standing alone and together um, at the foot of that mountain uh, in order to, again, receive Torah in all of its fullness. Um, so... Um, this connects also back to the Yismach Yisrael's teaching on Machatzit HaShekel, right? Because if we need each other and our unique gifts in order to receive Torah, we also uh, need each other and our unique gifts. Um, uh, that that Machatzit HaShekel, that portion of a shekel, which which reminds us that we're we're each incomplete without each other, but we have our own peace to bring. Um, and I want to just say uh, that I, I heard the words Yismach Moshe b'matnat chelko this morning during the Amidah a little bit differently in light of this teaching, which is like uh, let, Moses rejoiced in his portion, in his chelek. Maybe he learned to rejoice in, in his chelek, in his partialness, in the fact that he, he was only a chelek, only a piece of the whole picture just as everyone else in the community was. So um, so this 
we know to be true. We forget it all the time. We relearn it, but we know it to be true whether we're standing at Sinai uh, or whether we're trying, as we are this Shabbat Mishpatim, to figure out how to move forward from the mountain um, in that wilderness of our daily lives. Um, and um, we know it to be true when we're living in times that feel closer to the oilam, to the world of the Megillah, um, where we feel scattered, where we feel separated, where we feel dispersed, and where God's presence is hidden at best between the lines of the text and between the losses and the limits of our own lives. Uh, so the, that teaching from the Ismach Israel reminded me of the fact that Rabbi David Hartman, um, a blessed memory, actually teaches that Purim itself is the holiday of friendship. And how does he get there? He says that of all the central mitzvot of Purim, aside from, uh, aside from reading the Megillah, there are three central mitzvot on Purim, right? Mishloch Manot giving gifts of food, giving treats to our friends. Matanot le'evyonim, giving gifts, giving tzedakah to the poor. And su'udat purim, getting together and eating and enjoying a feast uh, with people we love. So all mitzvot, Hartman says, of friendship. In other words, what we're obligated to do uh, in a world where confusion and cruelty and capriciousness often conspire to hide God's presence, we're asked to take care of each other, to feed each other, to be responsible for each other, to rejoice in each other's companionship. I want to close this morning with a brief excerpt from a sermon that my brother, Steve Cohen, who's a rabbi in Santa Barbara, gave a couple of weeks ago uh, to his congregation that has been going through an absolutely terrifying period with the, with the fires uh, raging in that area, followed by the mudslide, mudslides, the horrifying mudslides. Um, and it really brought home to me these teachings, both of the Yismach Israel and of Rabbi David Hartman. So here are his words from just a couple of Shabbatot ago. Tonight I would like to speak of our inner lives, where our minds go and what happens in our hearts and our bodies in the presence and aftermath of this devastation. Before anything else comes fear, the terror of that night. This is referring in particular to the night of the mudslides. A mother in this congregation, at home alone with her three children, fighting desperately to reassure them, to save their lives, and to control her own rising panic during the most terrible night of her life. Another member of this congregation pinned down by a tree for four endless hours, fully expecting to die, as he watched his beloved wife swept away by the mountain tsunami. And we also face the lingering fears about what will happen in the next intense rains. Of all the confused emotions we feel right now, first is fear. There is also exhaustion. Families who were evacuated for two weeks because of the Thomas fire, 
whose neurochemical pathways were flooded two weeks ago by the intense emotions of relief and gratitude. Then just when it felt safe to let down their emotional guard, the people of Montecito have been assaulted physically and emotionally by this catastrophe. It just feels overwhelming. We are all exhausted and there is so much work to be done. What work exactly? We want so desperately to help, but we cannot go to Montecito. We've been told repeatedly, in case we did not realize it already, that we would just get in the way. So what work is there for us to do? Our work in the coming weeks is not physical, but soul work. Friendship, human connection. Most of us have friends who have been evacuated. Many of their homes have been damaged or destroyed. When we are uprooted from our home, from the physical ground of our lives, precisely then the intangible emotional ground becomes even more important. Our relationships, our community of human connection. A simple note, a call, an email, coffee dates, invitations to meals. Most of us will not be repairing the physical infrastructure of Montecito, but strengthening, deepening, enriching the fabric of friendship and love is our work this week, this month, this year. On this Shabbat, my bracha to all of us wherever we are, whatever we are facing. May we be spared the vulnerability of alienated hearts. May we enter the gates of Adar by coming together, by praying not just with each other, not just near each other, but for each other, by loving each other. And when Purim comes and reminds us of what we already know so well, that we live in a world where God's presence isn't always as palpable as it was at Sinai. There is always a way of bringing that presence closer by feeding each other, by taking care of each other, by befriending each other. May we be blessed to enter together into the gates of Adar, the gates of friendship and joy. Shabbat Shalom, Chodesh Tov.